You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Gators breakdown. The Gators Fan Podcast, because there's never a dull moment in Gator Nation. The Gators Breakdown Podcast is ready to go. I'm your host, David Waters, and you can find me on Twitter at GatorDave underscore SEC. Joining me on this episode are a couple of guests, and you've heard him plenty of times here on Gators Breakdown. And he's back again. It's the Athletics' Will Salmon. Will, thanks for hopping on again. Of course, David. Thanks for having me. Excited about this one. Absolutely, absolutely. And we're excited because joining Will and I, and I've been waiting on, waiting on this one for a while, and now is the perfect time. Former Gators tied in from 2004 to 2007, and current head football coach at Hawthorne High School, Cornelius Ingram, joins us here. And CI, thanks for hopping on Gators Breakdown. Hey, Dave. Thanks for having me, man. I'm excited as well. All right. We'll get into this. Of course, a lot of news out there with uh, with the tight end coach uh, Larry Scott leaving for Howard and uh, – the fan base uh, out there on Twitter, uh, let it let, let it be known that uh, they're on you are on their short list. So we'll get into all of that. <laughs> so uh, before we get there, remember you can find Gators Breakdown on News4Jacks.com slash Gators Breakdown. You'll find all the Gators Breakdown episodes there, as well as News 4 Jacks coverage of the Gators. If you missed our Areas for Improvement episodes the last couple of weeks, check those out. And please share, rate, and review the show and on social media. Follow Gators Breakdown on Twitter and Facebook at Gators Breakdown. So, Cornelius, before we get into it uh, here uh, of everything that's going going on, catch us mm-hmm. up on what you've been doing your days uh, since you've left Florida. You know, stint in the NFL and now uh, yep. head coach in your hometown of Hawthorne. Yep, um, I've been the head coach here. Um, this past season was actually my fifth year. Um, I'm also the head girls basketball coach here at Hawthorne. Um, I'm the head weightlifting coach, head girls track and field coach. Um, then, you know, I kind of coach my kids' uh, football team as well. So I'm, I'm pretty busy with, 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 with coaching, but, you know, Hawthorne is a very small town. Um, a, a lot of the things that we do in the community, we know all the kids. Um, it's easy for me to get my message across because, you know, a lot of the parents that, that, that a lot of the, the kids, um, parents, um, that I know, um, it's easy, you know, because I know everyone and, um, I, have been able to have some success. I'll be honest early because I can coach my way here at Hawthorne being, being the hometown guy, I have a lot of support, um, from the outside community and, um, uh, we've been able to help get some kids in school and I'll be honest, it's been pretty fun the last five years. Okay, so the big headline for Gator Nation this past weekend was, of course, Gators tight end coach Larry Scott leaving Florida to take the head coaching position at Howard. Mm-hmm. As soon as that was put out there, uh, the the focus for a lot of the fan base shifted to who 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 does Florida replace him with? And Cornelius, that's where you come in. <laughs> so some yeah, out there, yeah, so, yeah, some out there in Gator Nation, they they brought your name up in regards to yes, the, to, yes, to the position yes, that's yes. out there. So I have to ask the question, of course. 
the fan base will want to know, would you be interested in the tight end coach role for Florida or, or a role in some capacity? Okay, yeah, absolutely. But but I, let's be clear. No coach, myself, I haven't reached out to anyone. Nobody has reached out to me. But, I mean, I, I, I don't know about letting that kind of opportunity, you know, slip up, especially in a place where, where I played uh, two sports, um, winning national championships, two in football and the SEC championship in basketball, graduating from there. And then, you know, just knowing a, a lot about the university even before I got there, you know, just being 20 minutes away from Gainesville. Um, so, I, of course, it'll be a dream job, perfect setup, but, but nothing has happened. And, and I'll be honest, I, I thought it was funny as well because when I knew about the position, a lot of people, you know, they were at me on Twitter. So I found out, I found out through Twitter – um, but 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 no one has reached out to me about anything. But but it will be a sweet setup, absolutely. Hey Cornelius, uh, Will Salmon here. Just a quick one to kind of follow up on that. Um, you know, I'm always kind of curious, like how a, a head high school coach like like yourself, who has a background like you do in the sport, qualified player, everything like that, when you become a high school coach and say say your aspirations are to become like an on-field college coach, how does one make that transition? Because it doesn't seem like it's that, that direct of a transition. So like, like what are the steps that you know of that you hope or some of your peers who are in the same boat hope to sort of accomplish to make that transition if that's what they aspire to do? Um, I, I think just, you know, from the outside looking in, um, there's certain issues that, you know, that that head coach at any university probably would want. Um, and, and I think a lot of them would want college experience already, you know. Um, and, and I'm not saying a lot of high school coaches, you know, they don't go straight into, into the college ranks and be a position coach at, at certain universities because I've seen it happen uh, on that level as well. So it's all about – what that particular head coach wants. Um, and, and I think the transition is the same. You know, uh, one thing about it, the, the X's and O's, they don't change. Um, you know, it's all about getting in there, demanding certain things out of your players. Of course, uh, you know, listening and following all the guidelines that that university and that head coach want at that time. Um, so I think the transition um, is, is a lot smoother because, uh, like I said before, the X's and O's, they don't change, and, and I feel like if you, if you have your head in the right place, um, um, you, and you demand everything out of your position or, or whatever um, position that you're coaching, um, you know that that makes the job a lot easier. And, and, and I know I've seen guys do it all the time, um, but from, from from my standpoint, you know I, I've learned a lot from from our football staff at the University of Florida right now. Uh, I'll be honest, a lot of the success I've had um, has been through Coach Meyer, Coach Mullen, Coach Gonzalez, uh, Coach Hevesy. A lot of these guys taught me a lot on the offensive side of the ball, uh, whether it's, you know, it's terminology or, or route running combinations. Uh, a lot of the things that we call in our offense, um, I'll be honest, is it comes from the University of Florida when I was there. So, um, we've been able to have a lot of success. A lot of these coaches have instilled a lot in me um, 
through throughout college and even after college. You know, I have a good relationship with with all, with all of the coaches there now. So um, I'm excited about about where where our program is going at the University of Florida, and that's if I never worked there. You know, I'm a diehard Gator, um, definitely a Gator for life. Uh, but you can tell, you know, just by him recruiting um, the type of players um, Coach Mullen and that staff have been bringing in, uh, the success he's had in two years, um, I know we're only going to get better. So um, that's where I'm at with everything. Cornelius, one advantage you have, if you know, if something like that was to happen, is you know what Dan Mullen expects uh, from an yeah. offensive player, from a, from a tight uh-huh. end. So, you uh-huh. know, how is it playing tight end for Dan Mullen? Uh, of course, there were different types of tight ends when you yep. were there yep. that that yep. offered different skill sets with you and Take Casey. So, what is yep. he looking for in the tight end? Well, you know what, I, I will say this: I came in as a as a leap. Elite eleven quarterback, um, and of course, Coach Meyer and Coach Mullen, they they um, they were at Utah at that time, and I was I redshirted my freshman year, and I played on the basketball team. So once I got back over to the football side, that's when the new staff had gotten there. But you know, when I made my transition from quarterback to to tight end, you know, I was a little frustrated at the beginning, but I could tell. That, that Coach Mullen from the offensive coordinator standpoint and, of course, Coach Meyer from the head coach standpoint, they, they seen something in me that I didn't see in myself because I hadn't played another position uh, my entire life. So making that transition was, was a little frustrating, and I didn't want to believe in it at that time. But, but the more they talked to me, um, I, I had some early success um, at the position, and, and, and it made it a lot smoother. And then, you know, just going into my junior year, I'm thinking back like, wow, you know, we just won a national championship against Ohio State. I played well in that national championship game and that SEC championship game. And I had some success during the during the regular season as well. But um, just having those conversations and understanding what they wanted from me out of the offense, they didn't put a whole lot on me because, of course, we had some great receivers around me at that time. So, I was able to create some mismatch. Um, they they told me about that, wanted to um, change the positions. And, you know, once you have success and you see it and and, and you're able to, you know, have more years to, to do it, um, it's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun. And I think our coaching staff did a wonderful job, you know, with me just, you know, easing me into it. Because, like I said, I haven't played another position um, ever in my life. You know, when I started playing – football at the age of seven my dad was my head coach so of course I was a quarterback so I played <laughs> quarterback from the age of seven up until I got to college so um just just having good coaches to break down things and, and, and help you understand um what's going on in the offense um I, I think you know that's just the cherry on top so uh when they tell you that they want to switch your position what do they say like what what are they kind of telling you as far as what their thought process was at that time well, I, I think um, they wanted to do some 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 different things in the slot. Um, I'll be honest; they end up they end up moving me around a lot in the offense, where I would lined up outside. Um, you know, whether it was something one on one, or I'd be in the slot, or I'd be attached. Um, but they knew I was a great athlete. Um, they knew I was a great athlete. Um, I, I I basically lined up lined up outside more than I did as an attached tight end, um, and, and that was more of the reason why I came back to school 
um, for my senior year because, you know, I talked it over with the coaches when I received my, my, my NFL letter grade. I was like, well, you know, I can I can be a little higher than that. Let, let's, let's put this on film. And I talked it over with the coaches, and they were all for it. So that was the main reason. Um, I went back to school for my senior year, even though I had a great junior season. I wanted to put some of those things that the NFL wanted to see um, on film. But, you know, just being a great athlete and the coaches recognizing that and, 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 and you know, making sure I understood why the position, position um, switch. Um, and, and, you know, one thing about playing the, the position quarterback, when you want to get on the field, it's kind of hard because there's only one quarterback that can be on the field at one time. And and uh, with, with our offense, we were, you know, 90% spread. So I felt like, hey, I can get on this field right now at another position. And, and I was able to have some success. So, you know, kudos to, to, to the Florida coaching staff for, for, for looking out for me. I will say that. Cornelius. Of course, the quarterback position at Florida is always a hot button topic, and and, and no different right now. Even with some success oh, there, yep. you know, for you, you played into it when the offense shifted from Chris Leak to uh-huh. Tim Tebow. So, what yep. was the difference? What did Dan Mullen and Urban Meyer change when Chris Leak, after two thousand six, win, wins a national championship, leads the Gators to a national championship, has some success, but then mm-hmm. two thousand seven, you know, Tim Tebow comes in and, and and leads an offense and wins a Heisman Trophy. So, was there a was there a th- philosophical shift in Leak to Tebow and, and, and the overall offense uh, in the in, and the overall offense? Did that help you? Uh, what was the difference for you and the offense in that transition? Well, uh, you know, of course, I mean, everyone knows that you know Tim was more of a he was a more pass and run guy. You know, Chris, he was more so you know a drop back passer. Um, once again, that just shows you you know the type of coaches that we you know, had at that time and, and that we have right now because as a coach for myself and there's no way I'm putting myself on a, a level as Coach Meyer or, or Coach Mullen, but as a high school coach the year before last, I had a passing quarterback who could really throw the ball and he could actually run, which was Willie Jackson's um, son who, who was a great quarterback for me. He probably threw for, you know, 2,500 yards. And, you know, this past season, I had a guy who could really just – who's really – he was a good athlete who could run the ball more so than pass. So there's no way we were going to use our same offense from two years ago. And that's just from me being a high school coach. You know, but but I really understand what Coach Meyer, Coach Mullen, what they did with Chris. You know, the offense can shift and do more – running quarterback runs for, for, for Tim than, than, than Chris Lee. You know, the best coaches adapt to their players around them. And and like I said, that just shows you what kind of coach staff we had at that time, what kind of coach staff we have at the University of Florida. Right now, when, when you can adapt to your players and still have success and still win national championships, you know, um, a lot of credit goes to those, to those coaches. But um, it wasn't rocket science, you know, just – from the outside looking in, um, a lot of people knew Tim was probably a better athlete so um, who, who could run the ball and wanted to run the ball. Um, and Chris was a great drop-back passer. So there were definitely um, definitely different players um, at that time. But, but the coaches, they made those adjustments and still had success with it. 
Either way, with uh, no matter what Florida does at this position at quarterback, and I agree with everything you just said, um, they're going to have uh, Kyle Pitts at tight end. And you mentioned not being <laughs> attached um, and yep. running a little bit on the outside. So I was just kind of curious, what, how would you characterize what you saw from him in 2019? And what do you, what do you kind of think about what his future could be in 2020? Oh, man, it's, 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 it's very bright, you know, um, I'm a huge fan. Let me say that first of all. Uh, but you <laughs> know, just, just watching him, um, just watching him flourish in this offense. Um, you you know what what what's what's hard to do is, and a lot of people don't understand when when people almost look at you as the number one receiver, and 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 you're still getting open, you're still you know getting those attempts where they're trying to get you the ball, and and, and you make plays. That's a true playmaker, you know, because there's there's times where you know we're going into games, and I know defensive coordinators are thinking, well, he's outside. Let me put my safety on him, who can run and cover, or I'll just leave my cornerback on him. And then you know, so and he's still going up, making these spectacular plays uh, down the field. And then of course, if it's a linebacker, you know, we feel like that's a matchup problem. So. Um, what 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 Coach Meyer? I'm sorry. What what Coach Mullen has been able to do, um, as far as call plays and put him in the positions um, to make these plays, and he's making them, even when he knows he's basically, you know, the number one guy. You know, it, it's 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 a lot of hard work and determination that goes into that. Um, but but I I've been a big fan. I can't even imagine, you know, what's what's going to happen this upcoming season because you know. I know he he'll be probably 15 pounds bigger, you know, more muscle, maybe faster. You know, so so um, it'll only get better. It'll only get better. I know this. I will get to enjoy him one more year. And I'm pretty sure he'll be out of there. <laughs> probably, sir. Probably, sir. Yeah. So uh, uh, you hit on it. Uh, just a bit ago, but what are your thoughts on Mullen and what he's done so far in, in these two seasons? Ten wins year one, eleven wins in in year two. Um, probably an obvious answer to this question, but are you the are, are you surprised at all that Mullen's had some success right away at Florida? I'm, I'm not surprised at all. I can remember uh, his first year when he when he got back. Um, I went over to uh, spring practice and uh, Chris Patrick, who, who everyone calls CP. He's been one of the longest trainers there, uh, probably in Florida football history. So, you know, I was just picking his brain on the sideline. You know, how is it around here? And, and he looked me dead on my eyeball and said, Coach Muller has this program back upbeat. He has everybody walking around with a lot of energy, just like he did uh, or Coach Meyer did back when we were in school. And I said, "Wow!" And he was like, "He and he was like, I'm not just talking. I'm not talking football players. He was talking about the people that work in the facility. Everything was was upbeat. He said everything was back alive. And he said I knew for a fact, um, you know, the stuff on the field would be a little bit easier because that's what he, you know, that's what he does. He call plays. He can put guys in, in, in the right position, uh, probably better than anyone in the country. Uh, so, so I knew." program had shifted and you know just just you know playing for coach um Mullen in the past um I'm, I'm not surprised at all I'm not surprised at all and what a lot of people don't understand imagine when you know what 
maybe two years from now when he have all his recruits in. You know, that's when we'll we'll really be able to see it. And, and like I said, we've had two great years um, in his first two years. So, you know, hats, hats goes off to him. Um, that coaching staff that's that's over there. I'm I'm happy to be a part of it. You know, just just playing under these guys and 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 being able to go back and, and watch practice or or you know just be at the games and you can you can feel it and you can tell that that we're almost back to where we want to be in um in a, in a, in a short period of time. So um, hats off to to Coach Mullen and that coaching staff because they're doing a wonderful job right now. All right, a couple more thoughts here from Cornelius Ingham before we let him go. And Cornelius, as a coach in the state, what what is the reputation of, of Mullen from your peers uh, in the high in, in the high school coaching circle? Oh, everyone, everyone loves him. Um, you know, and, and, and I'm really not that guy to talk about, you know, other schools, uh, universities in the state. But I mean, as of right now, he's the best in our state. You know. And maybe I'm being biased, but, you know, we can just look at, you know, records and strength of schedule and all that kind of stuff. Um, so a lot of people have the utmost utmost respect for, for, for Coach Mullen. Um, I think he also does a great job whenever there's camps, um, like Friday Night Lights or, or just, you know, a passing camp. He interacts with, with probably everyone on that field. And I'm talking parents. Uh, you know, I'm talking the, the, the water boys. Um, you know, just his, his, his attitude, the charisma that he, that he has, he brings to the table. Um, a lot of people feel comfortable around, you know, coach Mullen. And I know for a fact, if, if my son was, was looking to, you know, play football at a major university and, and that head coach is, is connecting with me, I'll feel safe with me sending my kid there to play football for him. And, um, he, he has that type of vibe and, and, and relationship where he want to create those, you know, those paint those pictures for everyone to feel comfortable around him. And, and, and the best thing about it, me knowing him personally, that's him. You know, I know some people might do it to, to, to get a certain kid or, or to have, you know, a certain amount of uh, four stars, five stars on their roster. But, but I know everything that Coach Mullen does is coming from a genuine place. And, um, and I think that's why we're getting those type of recruits because a lot of these families, um, they they feel great about their their son going to the University of Florida and playing for a guy like Coach. Okay, last thought here. National Signing Day is on Wednesday, and you know, take us back to your recruitment a little bit. As you mentioned, uh-huh. you were a Elite Eleven quarterback. You uh-huh. were being recruited by Ron Zook. Uh, there was yep. the basketball side of it as well. Uh, t- take us back uh, t- to that time with National Signing Day coming up. Well, we know for me it was it was a fun time because uh, you know. Up, and, up until my signing day, there really hadn't been a probably any signing days in Hawthorne. So I can remember uh, Bobby Bowen coming to campus in, in Hawthorne. Um, a lot of the top coaches in, in, in the college ranks at that time, head coaches in the college ranks at that time, stopped in Hawthorne. So it was it was big for me, but it was more so big for my town and my community because no one has seen these coaches um, except for on TV. So, you know, now you can see all of the top coaches you can think of, uh, uh, whether it was a football coach or, uh, or a basketball coach, you know, they're sitting in our cafeteria or they're sitting in our front office at Hawthorne where, you know, 
there's not a whole lot going on. Um, it was it was huge for me. So my my recruitment process was not only for me, but it was for you know the people in my community, the people that's in my town who actually still support me x amount of years later as the head coach here. So um, it was it was a fun time. I tell kids to always enjoy it um, because you know uh, they work hard for that moment. And and you know I'm the type of guy um, I'm not that old so. I give when it comes to my, my players. You know, there's certain things I, I let them do because I'm not super old. I'm not old school. So you have a give, give a little, you know, just to just to get gain these kids' trust because, you know, a lot of them, you don't know what they're going through um, at home. So so recruitment process, I want to be a part of it. Um, if, if, if my players have something going on in the community at church, I want to be a part of it because their parents or grandparents, you know, supported me in their younger days. So, um, you know, I, I respect the recruitment process. I know, you know, these kids, they, they, they enjoy it as well. I, I, I actually love when they, they kind of set the stage for themselves uh, and, and they make their, their big announcement. You know, it's a time for them to enjoy it and, and their family as well. So um, the recruitment process is something, it's something fun to watch. I'm still a big fan of it. So I tell my players all the time, I wish I could go back and do it again. I wouldn't wear this ugly shirt I wore on my signing day. It was big <laughs> and ugly. But, uh, but you know, I, I love it, and I respect what the kids have going on. Awesome. Uh, Will, anything else? Man, I just want to say thanks, Cornelius, for, for taking the time to chat with us. I mean, your insight is, is pretty 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 great to hear from, from on a variety of topics. Just it's pretty – uh, it would be hard to duplicate. So I just appreciate you being on the call with us and honestly just learned a lot from your experience. Um, I am interested in the ugly shirt, though. I'd like to see a pic of that. But oh, yeah, yeah. From- <laughs> I'll, make sure. I'll, find, I'll find it and I'll send it to you. Um, I, well, is this a cell phone? Yeah, yeah. If you, if you don't yeah. mind sending that, I'd love to see that one. Yeah, yeah. yeah I'll, I'll, I'll get, I'll I'll get sure that hooked sure. up. Yep, I'll make sure I send that, send that right over. Uh, Cornelius, yeah, the, the fanboy in me is excited right now, man. You're one of my favorite yep. players, one of my favorite tight ends there to, to, to play at Florida. So hopefully, you know, I, I know everything's been brought up because of everything happening at the uh, tight end coach position for Florida. Yep, but yep, yep. If, no, whether, whether it happens now, whether it happens later, man, I hope to see yep. you in orange and blue. Yep, yep. I appreciate it. Thanks a lot. All right, thanks, Cornelius. All right, thanks for having me. All right, Will, that was good. Yeah, man, I enjoyed it. He uh, He did an excellent job, I thought. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, really good interview. Glad, glad to have him here on uh, Gators Breakdown. And of course, Will will, will transition. And, and the reason he's on, of course, because as I mentioned, uh, Larry Scott leaving for the Howard head coaching position there. And like I said, the fan base, one of the first names the fan base popped out uh, just because of uh, he has a coaching background, of course, um, as we just heard, is Cornelius Ingram. So you know, his name was brought up, take Casey's name brought up because, you know, they, they're familiar with Dan Mullen and, and what he's asking his tight ends to do. Uh, but, you know, we'll see how it all shakes out. But uh, before we move on, well, what was your uh, thoughts on Larry Scott moving on? You've been around this staff a, a lot, of course, the last couple of years, and uh, Larry Scott seemed to be a uh, you know well liked, very respected name in the profession here. Definitely, definitely. Um, first, you know, just a couple of the names that you mentioned with uh, Tate Cornelius. That happens with like every school, I feel like too. So it's not just a, a UF thing where it's like, oh, let's let's choose the the players who played for Dan and and put them into put them on the sideline for us now. Like that happens at everywhere. And, and it says a lot about those two guys though. Like, don't get me wrong with those guys. They know their stuff. I mean, obviously Tate's been around the program now for a couple of years and he knows, 
he knows everything about this program and could tell you things inside and out about the game. And obviously we heard from Cornelius, so I have a lot of respect for those guys. That said, there's going to be so much interest. There's probably already so much interest in this job, no question. Um, top top gig to get in an offense that really clicks together. Um, and you mentioned it with Larry Scott. I mean, he was well-liked on this Florida staff. Um, he was well-liked by Dan Mullen. He was a good fit. Um, he They often joked around because, obviously, John Hevesy, Billy Gonzalez, Greg Knox, and even Brian Johnson, for that matter, the last few years and a couple of years at Mississippi State, have worked with Dan Mullen for so long that a lot of, like, the verbiage or a lot of, like, the plays, it becomes second nature. And they'll just say it, and they assume everybody in the room knows what they're talking about. Well, Larry often had to kind of catch himself up on things, you know, because he wasn't with them on for the last 15 years or whatever. It was just 2018 and 2019, but he really acclimated himself well to the staff, a guy they respected a lot, fit right in. And he did a really great job recruiting. And that's something that Dan Mullen is going to have to address with this hire is there are some big shoes to fill, in my opinion, at least. I think Larry Scott's very approachable, very personable guy when you talk to him. Gets along with pretty much everybody that he speaks with, as far as I'm concerned, that I've heard. So uh, from that point of view and from building relationships, uh, that's what you're going to have to replace. And you have the carry to sort of attract a lot of people with not just being at Florida, but also the ability to sort of be the guy who coaches Kyle Pitts, uh, whether that's one last year or two last years or whatever. Um, that's that's definitely a care that you could ha- kind of hold to people because, you know, you're coming into a really good situation. So certainly there's a lot of interest in this gig, and I'm sure they'll find somebody who checks all the boxes that they're looking for because there's going to be no shortage, shortage of good candidates. Yeah, absolutely. I, I tweeted this out. Uh, as soon as it was kind of announced and everybody started looking ahead of, of course, who could the replacement be and absolutely agree. This is going to have to be um, uh, a, a, somebody coming in and, and replacing and need, needing to be able to fill roles as a great coach and recruiter. You know, Florida needs both here uh, with this role to, to, to help you know, fill out the staff, uh, being able to to go off field, go into somebody's house and, and recruit well and also be that guy on the field on Saturdays uh, and, and in practice and camps, of course, you know, coaching these guys up. So we've seen it in Kyle Pitts the last two years, and that's the feather in Scott's cap. And uh, as you said, that's a big selling point for this job as well. Somebody will want to put, hey, I coached a uh, uh, probably a high draft round uh, NFL draft pick there. So that is a big selling point here. And of course, Will, you and I discussed back on Saturday when it was announced here that uh, this move was happening. Uh, everybody's focus shifted to who the replacement could be here. Probably the most popular name I'm seeing. And I, I saw his name pop up as well when Mullen was making staff hires when he was when he when he got hired here at Florida. And that's uh, Chad Scott there, uh, Plant City. So he's from the state of Florida. Um Coached uh, at North Carolina under Larry, Larry Fedora there. And so Larry Fedora, of course, has a history at Florida as well. Also coached under Mike Leach uh, for running backs at Texas Tech. So he's at West Virginia coaching running backs again. And I think uh, co-offensive coordinator uh, as well. Pretty good recruiter in his own right. But Chad Scott's name seemed to be the one to, to pop up the most. Yeah, I saw that on Twitter as well. Just, uh, you know, message boards and whatnot. I uh, want to be clear that, you know, I haven't heard any sort of candidate yet for this job whatsoever. Um, no real sort of uh, name with 
any sort of validity to it so far yet. Uh, there are names that sort of make sense when you kind of just spitball and you look at guys' resumes, even like, uh, you know, Telly Lockett for that matter is a guy who has that sort of resume that stands out because he has the Florida background that he's coached the position. He's been around some good programs. So there are guys like that, but I haven't heard of any sort of communication yet. I don't know if there's any, I don't even know how far like Dan Mullen has even got in that process, to be honest with you with signing day coming up. And I know he was at the Super Bowl yesterday for that matter with his yeah. son. So that was a cool thing to kind of, maybe, maybe he found somebody there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> maybe so. Uh, I doubt it, doubt it, but maybe. You know, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, like you mentioned, um, I mean, it hasn't even been like announced yet that that Larry's left. Yeah. You know, for that matter, it's just been reported. Um, so, like, it, it, I think we're kind of like in, still in the process of maybe even like identifying people who are good fits. I mean, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe like in an hour after this, to get you know, there's a replacement in town. You know, I, I doubt it, but you know how things work. It's pretty fluid. Um, but that said, I haven't personally heard anybody uh, connected to the gig quite yet. I do know there's going to be a lot of interest. Um, I assume Dan Mullen's going to have 100 or so phone calls about it. And it's kind of one of those weird gigs for just him, him personally. Not weird, but just different than the other spots because the tight end coach under Dan Mullen – on the offensive staff has been the one that's seen like sort of like the most turnover. You know, I mentioned it earlier that, you know, John Hevesy at the offensive line has been with him forever. Greg Knox running back has been with him since Mississippi state year one, really. Uh, Brian Johnson has been in and out, always been a guy of note uh, of notoriety. And then of course you got Billy Gonzalez at wide receiver tight ends a little bit different. Uh, they had a, a few different guys, none of whom I, I really would expect to come back into the fold at this point or this or right yet. The last guy before uh, Larry Scott was DJ Looney, who is at ULL. Um, so I don't know if there's interest there, uh, but he was the last guy in 2017 and he was only with Dan Mullen for one year, was a former player under him, but was only a coach with him for for one year in 2017. And then they went with Larry Scott at Florida. So not a whole, there's not like a guy that kind of screams at you or jumps at you of, Hey, this is the guy that makes the most sense. So be interesting to see, like we already talked about, you got to, you kind of have to hit on both. Got to have to have to get a guy who has obviously the coaching chops but also can recruit particularly in florida um and go back to the coaching quickly it's not just kyle pitts but also zipper i mean zipper is a guy who you know four-star kid uh that's really the guy that i would point to like hey you got a chance to develop this kid because he didn't play a whole lot last year was in some jumbo packages and whatnot but you know kyle pitts is already pretty good but you know zipper is the one that you can kind of point to and be like hey this is the guy that you could develop um this is the guy that you can make better and this is somebody that you know, when it's all said and done, you could be the guy who really was part of his maturity or part of his development process. Well, I tell you why fans probably should be excited in finding a replacement, being confident, and Dan Mullen can find a replacement. Look, he had to do this a year ago. Torian Gray comes in, David Turner comes in. So Mullen's kind of proven there when he's had to make these changes, he's made some pretty good decisions so far. David Turner comes in, 
one of the best recruiters on the staff uh, right now. As you, if you look at what he's doing, especially up front on defense and being able to keep Gervin Dexter in when Georgia definitely was after uh, after him and you know their recruiting prowess. But no, you know Gervin Dexter sticks with Florida, and, and David Turner's got a, a few other guys uh, it, that he was in the mix on, and, and those guys are coming into Florida. And Torian Gray, of course, there was already the connection of coaching under Jim McElwain and coaching cornerbacks there. And but look, the players had a lot of respect for him and and a lot of the players that are on the roster or were recruited by him uh, under McIlwain. So, you know, Mullen didn't really outthink himself there. There was a, a reason to bring somebody like Torian Gray in and, and he did that. So recent and a short history at Florida for Dan Mullen, but he'd made two good replacement hires already. Yeah. And you could even go to Larry Scott for that matter, even his hiring, because like I said before, he wasn't a guy that yeah had a track record with Dan Mullen and the difference between, and I love, I, I love working in Starkville and living there and some of the best couple of years of, of like really my career, honestly, I, I really loved it there. But that said, it could be a little bit difficult to find, especially before they got going in those early years, it was difficult for Dan Mullen to find guys to come with him or to take an assistant job there. Until now, it's a little bit different, of course. I mean, obviously, with 2014 and so on and so forth, things have improved and expectations are, are higher there now. But, you know, it wasn't always the case. Uh, here at Florida, it's completely different where, you know, you I, wanna, I don't want to say you get the, the, pick of, the pick of the litter here, but I mean... His phone's going to be ringing off the hook, and it's it's different, put it that way, as far as your ability to kind of zero in on a target that you really want, not just somebody that is the best of who's applied sort of thing. Um, and so that's what makes it interesting. And, and like you mentioned with uh, Turner and Gray, and even I mentioned Scott, for, for instance, he's had a track, re- track record so far at Florida of hitting on these guys when he's had to make a replacement or has had to make a hire. Uh, we've yet to see him really make a bad decision here. All right, so that's it for uh, the what we know and our thoughts on the uh, opening at the tight end coach position for the Gators here. And, of course, the, the big news this week will will be National Signing Day on Wednesday. So let's uh, set the listeners up for that. And you know, this is Wednesday about or Monday. Monday Signing Day is Wednesday. This is Monday, a couple of days before. Uh, we're about midday on Monday on this recording. So as of this Monday right now, two days before National Signing Day, the Gators sit at number eight in the 24-7 sports composite, and that's the metric used here as it takes the average from 24-7 sports, rivals, and ESPN, puts it all together, and, and, and comes out with its number there. So the Gators are seventh on 24-7, seventh on rivals, and eighth on ESPN in the recruiting rankings. So that's seventh, good for seventh on the 24-7 sports composite, and will that only gets Florida sixth uh, in the SEC. So uh, you know, the rankings going into signing day look like this. Georgia number one, Alabama number two, Clemson number three, LSU four, Ohio State five, Texas A&M six, and Auburn, Auburn seven. So my bad. Florida's eighth uh, in, in the 24-7 sports composite. Eighth, my bad there. Uh, so, yes, behind all those other SEC teams, uh, sixth in the SEC. So rounding out the top ten, Oklahoma's at nine and Michigan comes in at 10. So we've talked about it previously uh, a lot, Will, but looking at it, going into signing day, you know, Florida only, you know, every year, of course, we sit here and say um, every year Florida has to play Georgia and LSU. So looking at this list, yeah, Alabama's in front. Uh, Texas A&M's up front. Auburn is in front of Florida for right now. 
but, you know, Florida doesn't have to play all those teams every year. You may have to play them in the SEC championship game, of course, but there's two teams, Georgia and LSU, that are number one and number four, and you know, the Gators have to play those teams every year. Yeah, but you know what, David? The, I, those, unless they've changed in the, the past few hours that I've looked at them, you know, those rankings don't account for the transfers, though, right? Correct. So, like... Yes, there's a there's a gap between those those couple of teams in Florida's class for, the, for this particular class, but I think that if you just look at it that way, you sort of do shortchange the roster improvements that ha- that have been made because three out of the four or five stars are now transfers that yep. don't really sort of count, but they'll certainly be on the field. Uh, yep. Well, at least. I want to say Cox will be on the field in 2020, of course, after sitting out 2019. Shorter, I am i don't really know his personal situation, but I'd assume that he has to sit out until until otherwise not, notified on that one. And then uh, Lingard, uh, five-star from Miami, certainly has a, a strong personal case to make considering um, his family situation. Uh, that's, a, that's a legitimate unfortunate situation um and he'd be playing closer to home so that makes sense so all that to say whether they're playing in 2020 or 2021 um they're similar in that hey they're they're added to this they're added guys who are taking scholarships this year this cycle um and so like they in my opinion have to be included and you kind of have to look at it uh through that lens too because you know, maybe it's a little bit unorthodox or what, but, you know, Dan Mullen has not settled uh, just with the high school recruits and he's utilized the transfer portal to uh, plug in gaps and, and make roster, not only plug in gaps, but make huge roster additions and improvements where where they are deficient, i.e. running back or in the future or wide receiver in the future. So I don't look at this as that big of a gap between the elites this time because I also quite frankly, like this signing class for them, particularly after the Xavier Henderson edition, because I looked at it as, okay, like a lot of these defensive guys, you would have loved to have had Sim Smith in the fold uh, in December to sort of add to the surplus of defensive line talent that you had. But okay, still, you had a pretty good group there. You um, also addressed the deficiency in the secondary. So great. What you needed was offensive playmakers, or at least one or two. And you certainly added that with Shorter and Henderson. So for me, I look at this as a really good class all of a sudden. And with only minimal, you know, uh, things on your agenda that you have to accomplish on Wednesday. So if uh, if I'm rating it, I'm pretty I'm rating it pretty favorably for the Gators, regardless of exactly where they stand in the recruiting rankings or the ratings in, as far as the SEC goes. Yeah, couldn't agree more there. As you said, filled the needs, uh, offensive line, defensive front, uh, in, in the secondary, of course. Uh, and look, the most likely scenario right now for Florida is at least uh, adding Avante Williams here. That seems to be the way it's trending right now. now if you add him, it boosts their score to 279.84 and would put Florida ahead of Auburn uh, if the Tigers don't add anyone else. Uh, get somebody else say, you know, I'm not predicting this, but say you get a, a high, highly touted running back like Jameer Gibbs, and then you potentially jump Texas A&M if they don't add anybody else as well. So different ways to look at it if you're into the, you know, the minute rankings there of, <laughs> uh, of how Florida can can even raise uh, its stature on National Signing Day. But absolutely, well, I, I agree that the transfers hitting needs, uh, Florida did that. So yeah, getting Avante Williams will be great. And anything past that, 
is is I think gravy for Florida fans. Yes, you want to build depth. You want to build depth with elite players, and you know if Florida can add some guys that, um, that they feel add quality depth, they will. But what, as you said, but what Florida has in this class, filling the needs, getting the tra- hitting the transfer portal. I mean, it's 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 hard to complain too much about this class. I mean, like you look at like who's left, right? And it's uh, Demarcus Beckwith, who I think is pretty talented, great athlete. Um, a running back in, I, I think Jameer, I think Gibbs is excellent. I think he's great. If he goes to Georgia Tech, I mean, that's that's a that's a hell of a sign for Georgia Tech. Tell yeah. you that much, because he'd be a hell of a sign for Florida, for that matter. I think he, I think the world of his talent. Um, but just looking at the list of guys who are sort of like on the borderline, on you know, sort of unsigned uh, targets for Florida. You got Clayton, of course, the other running back who's committed to Colorado. Uh, Cedric Van Prem, the I guess the center, uh, big time recruit who's committed to Georgia. Um, I guess that's pretty. That's pretty much it. The defensive end um, who has been kind of flirting with the Texas programs, uh, Princely. Uh, so like you got a couple of guys there, but I look at the list and I say, okay, like I, I think like Williams would probably make or break the day, but does anybody else really make or break the day for you? Um, for me, not so much. I mean, like the running back. If Gibbs, Gibbs would make it, but he wouldn't necessarily break it. That's a great way to put it. Yeah, I'm with you on that. Just because, I, like I said, I can't say much more about how how much I think of him. Um, because like you signed, you you added Lingard, so it's like if they didn't add him, then I'd say to myself, okay, they they, they really should because you don't know one year to the next who's going to be on your team. Maybe some somebody transfers, what have you. Um, I think Pierce is great, but there's a lot of unproven production after him, um, particularly the last couple of years with Davis battling injuries because I, I, he's talented. He has the potential, but he's battled injuries and didn't often get the opportunities last year. So you just don't know. Um, but all that to say, they added Lingard. So it's like, I don't see like the huge need anymore that you did in December where it was like, okay, yeah, I could be talked into, them already having four guys, whatever. But I still say to myself, you, you should add somebody if you can um, and somebody of note. Now, you know, if you miss on the Gibbs guy, it's not the end of the world for me if, if, for Florida because you, you already have Lingard. So that's the way I look at it. You know, maybe I'm being too nice. Maybe I woke up uh, Monday morning <laughs> and I was in too good of a mood. But I don't know. I mean, I just look at it as you accomplished a lot in December you didn't settle and you added guys, whether that was Henderson, Shorter, or Lingard, and you made your team better for 2020 and 2021. So, I don't know. I like how things are set up. And, uh, you know, if, if they only get Williams and sign Henderson, okay. You know, that's the way I look at it, at least. Maybe, maybe like I said, maybe I'm being too kind here. Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I've been called too critical for recruiting sometimes, but I, I absolutely agree with you. Uh, I, they went all in on Demarcus Bowman. They didn't get him. Uh, that kind of transition into going all out on Gibbs, and you know, hopefully, hopefully, hopefully they get him, and, and we'll see. If they don't, I have no problem with you know not pushing for Clayton, saving that scholarship for next year, 
and and, and moving on. Uh, like you just said, Florida with with the addition of Lingard, uh, that gave Florida some flexibility here of going after um, what probably they considered the you know, the best back out there. What many consider the best you know unsigned uh, back out there besides Zach Evans that right now. So those are the two names that are out there, the two big time running backs, and you know Florida is putting it all out there for Gibbs. You even seen now, well, I don't know if you've noticed it the past couple of days of Florida's offensive linemen out there tweeting uh, pictures of them and, and, and Gibbs together. So maybe it's one, one final push to say, Hey, come on, man, you know, come to Florida. This, this is what we got here. You, you spent a couple of days with us. You, you know us. We know you've been committed to Georgia tech, but uh, we can do something special together here at Florida. That's funny. I actually didn't mention. I actually didn't see that. I've been a little bit off Twitter the last yeah, couple of days. Yeah, it's uh, been Isaiah, Isaiah Walker, Richie Leonard, and um, Braun's dad all tweeted the same picture of uh, of the offensive lineman and Gibbs together. Well, you know, if if uh, my uh, if, if Braun if uh, Josh Braun's father is telling me something, I'm probably going to do it because he's a little bit intimidating. So <laughs> you know, <laughs> uh, that's just me. But uh, but that's cool. I didn't I didn't see that actually. And you mentioned Evans. I mean. He's not completely crossed off the list, as far as I understand it. I mean, things could change with that kid by the by the every fifteen minutes. You yeah, know? that's the way it seems. So, I don't want to throw something out there that's not true or that was true twenty four hours ago that isn't true now. Uh, but I mean, if he's out there, you know, you never know. Um, so, I don't want to cross him off the list completely. Um, but, yeah, I mean, these situations can be a little bit fluid. I mean, even Williams, for that matter. I mean, like, he could wake up one day and just you know, decide to do something. Who knows? You assume that he's going to be committed to Florida. But, yeah. Don't say that. Don't say that. Exactly. Right. <laughs> uh, but, but you know, I mean, he, he's had a kind of like an up. I always thought that that kid was going to go to Florida from day one. So yeah. I don't think a lot of people did. But it's just been a kind of a – he hasn't done a whole lot of interviews, so who knows? I mean, yeah, there was the you know the crazy Oregon commit, and the, did yeah. anybody really did anybody really see him going from Florida to Oregon? So <laughs> nobody did, and, and everybody kind of sees him going to Florida, myself included. But I'm just trying to make a point that if something happens that's a surprise on Wednesday, it wouldn't be the first time on signing day that we see a surprise. I'm not saying that there will be. I'm quite frankly, I, I'm thinking that there won't be, but you never know. Yeah, a couple quick hitters here before we wrap it up, uh, dealing with recruiting here. Of course, uh, you, you mentioned Demarcus Beckwith there. We'll see if Scott's departure uh, hurts that. It looks like a 50-50 battle between Florida and Tennessee right now. Uh, he was in Knoxville yesterday on Sunday, I believe. Uh, mm-hmm. Didn't look like he was on campus, but he was in Knoxville. So we'll see if that means anything. We'll see if the Scott departure means anything, how close he was to him. We know Scott was instrumental in in that recruitment, but we'll see how much that matters and you know, Florida probably won't have a replacement before Wednesday. I mean, that's just a guess. I, I have no idea. Uh, and, but, it, you know, if they do hire someone, I don't know if that makes a makes a um, an effect on Beckwith's decision or, or not. And a couple other players here. Mark Britt also uh, looks like Ole Miss. Uh, some are claiming that might be a battle between Florida and Ole Miss now 50-50. I've been told by a couple people now, if he, if he has the grades, he's getting into Florida. Uh, that Britt will be a Gator if, if he has the grades to get in. So that's one to, to look out there. And we'll see what happens with uh, wide receiver Leonard Manuel. Uh, won't, he will not be signing on Wednesday that, that we know of. That's the last thing uh, he said about it. He'll wait till April, I'm sure, until some test scores come back. And that's kind of kind of where it stands right now as we head into Wednesday. Yeah, you kind of nailed everything right there. Uh, great summary, David. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but yeah, that's that's pretty much as far I'm, I'm kind of with you as far as what I've heard. Uh, we have a couple of kids that are just kind of questionable, whether that's with grades or just 
whatever situation you don't know yet. Uh, hopefully we get some clarity on Wednesday. But like you mentioned with a couple of those kids, maybe it could even stretch out further than, further than that. So, yeah, we'll see. I mean, if things aren't clarified by Wednesday, there's still some time. Obviously, you could sign a little bit later, of course, whatever. You could be added. We've seen that before. Um, but, but yeah, there, there's things that remain to be seen with, uh, Brid and, and Leonard Manuel, of course, uh, who's had, who's been committed to Florida, I guess, but just had a kind of a different route so far with his high school career and, uh, trying to get on track. So we'll see how things kind of unfold. Um, but regardless, like I said earlier, it's, it's a pretty good class. And, and if you look at it in its entirety and you add the transfers up, yeah, they uh, they accomplished probably what they needed to accomplish across the board, I'd say. Absolutely agree. And well, one more thought I want to get from you, because uh, I believe it was last week you released on The Athletic an update on DeWan Black. Of course, he was supposed to be in last year's class, had to go the JUCO route. Uh, what did you, um, you unearth in, in talking with Black? Yeah, it seemed like he was pretty focused. I mean, there's still a lot that he has to um, – he mentioned his, his GPA. Uh, I'm not sure about that number to be frank with you, there's no way I could kind of prove that. So I just want to be clear that that's what he said. And I'm not saying that he's lying about it, but uh, you just don't know. I mean, and that, that could change from one semester to the next. And just from covering junior college recruiting in the past, you kind of take it one semester at a time with guys because things can change and situations can change. Um, whether that's on the field or off the field. But for now, he does seem like things are in line for him to to be a recruit for Florida for, as part of their uh, 2021 recruiting class. He had a nice season. His team won the JUCO National Championship. He finished with around 50 tackles, uh, played a lot of different positions for them. Uh, he came off the edge, played some corner, played some safety, played, played some – he did everything. He was kind of one of those guys that whatever they needed on that – uh, that night is what he did. Um, as far as Florida goes, he was telling me that they see him as more of a uh, nickel safety in the future, which was always the role that made sense to me. I know sometimes people attach him to the linebacker position, and I'm sure he could do that. But just from covering him in, in high school a few years ago and just from following his career, he always seemed to me that that nickel spot was always the best fit. But we got some time left before that, e- that even becomes really something that we should be talking about for now. It's just a matter of can he, can he sustain and can he continue to, uh, to make some improvement and, and he just needs to stay on track with his academics. That's the biggest thing. Uh, the talent is there. Uh, but what's gonna, it's gonna have to happen is he, he has to stay on his academics in order for him to be a realistic addition in 2021. All right. Update on the one black there, uh, from Will Salmon and the athletic. What would you got up this week on the athletic with signing day coming up? Well, uh, Javon Dexter is their first five-star signee under Dan Mullen. And so that's uh, that's a big deal. We mentioned the five-star additions who are transfers, but Dexter is going to be the first guy who's rated as a high school kid, who, who signs as a high school kid to Florida under Dan Mullen. Um, and so I thought it would be interesting to sort of poll a few high school coaches who coached against him. And just oh. ask them, ask them point blank, was this kid a five-star in your opinion? Did you coach against the five-star? What did you think of his game? Uh, because he is kind of raw. And he's a kid who has only played high school ball, who only played high school football for a couple of years. Uh, was kind of more of a basketball guy from what I understand. So 
Some interesting comments from a couple of the high school coaches who coached against them. So I'm eager to publish that this week, perhaps as early as uh, this afternoon, Monday afternoon or Tuesday morning. Awesome. Yeah, I look forward uh, to that one. And as you said, first Florida uh, first five star uh, recruit under Dan Mullen. So that's Will Salmon from The Athletic. You can uh, go to theathletic.com or download their app uh, for all the stories there. I'm the host of Gators Breakdown, David Waters. You can follow me on Twitter at GatorDave underscore SCC. And Will, man, uh, thanks for uh, joining me once again. Oh, man, great episode. Enjoyed it. Thanks again for having me, as always. All right, guys and girls out there, thanks for listening to this episode of Gators Breakdown. <laughs>